America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. We're going to talk money and politics with Liz Peak, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, Steve Moore, Freedom Works, and uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and his latest book called Govzilla. Uh, kids, I want to begin with this bulletin. The great, I'm, I'm such an Italian government fan now. This is it. Italy has taken Putin's yacht, the Sherazade. Sher- the Sher- I can never pronounce it. They have taken his yacht. I have been calling for this for weeks. How does Vladimir Putin, how does Vladimir Putin, who's been a public servant, quote unquote, for four decades, own a $700 million yacht? Well, let me refer to people of a certain age will remember this great Broadway hit, Fiorello. Go. You're with us, Mr. X. May we ask you a question? It's amazing, is it not? That the city pays you slightly less than 50 bucks a week, yet you've purchased a private yacht. I am positive your honor must be joking. Any working man can do what I have done. For a month or two, I simply gave up smoking, (laughs) and I put my extra pennies one by one into a little tin box. A little tin box had a little tin key unlocked. All right, there you go. This is the best morning I've had in ages. We finally took Putin's yacht, all right, which he stole from the Russian people, and that's not all he stole. He quit smoking for a couple of months and put it all into a little tin box. So, Liz Peak. Number one, I feel I feel vindicated. I wish it had been the United States, but it is not to be. But I'm going to love the Italian government. And he is a crook. He's a war criminal and a crook. He also may be very sick. So what do you think of this story? <laughs> well, it's obviously made your day, Larry, <laughs> and I think that's great. Uh, my, my view is, yeah, it's terrific that Italy has done this, and other countries have also confiscated the oligarchs' possessions. Why haven't we? That's really the question on my mind, because uh, we have seen stories about, oh, Biden talks a big game about we're going to take away their toys and we're going to get really uh, tough on these oligarchs and on Putin. But we haven't done it yet. So, yes, Putin is incredibly corrupt. Uh, People in honest ways of life who are politicians don't end up with mega yachts, which this one is. It's really a mega yacht, by the way. Uh, And I've always thought... The great things about these yachts, whether it was owned by Russians or Chinese or whoever, is that they're kind of floating castles. If things get tough, they can take to sea. They can sell them for, you know, billions of dollars or hundreds of millions anyway. Uh, Turns out that's not the case. And bravo to Italy for showing us the way. Yeah, you know, Steve Moore, I think it's 435 feet. But Steve Forbes makes a good point. We, you know, they took the yacht, now sell it. And whatever it's worth, $700 million, you know, give the money to the Ukraine to buy weapons. I mean, that's an important strategy. 
Yeah, look, I love that story, and it is sad that uh, Italy is now tougher on uh, on Russia than the United States of America. <laughs> That's pathetic. But um, the you know one of the things that always just irritated me to no end during the Trump presidency was this line by the media that Trump was in the hip pocket of Putin. Remember, I mean that mm-hmm. was their story for four years. And look, I've I've said this many times. I think I said it on your show. I I honestly believe that if Trump were still president. Uh, Russia would not have uh, invaded Ukraine. But the, the main point is, why is Biden so weak? I mean, why, why isn't he taking a stronger position? We can repel with the, with the aid of, of the NATO allies and the United States taking the lead. We can repel this invasion. Yes. But he's scared. He's scared. And, and I think we see that at every turn of the road. We were hesitant to start sending arms. If we knew early last fall or early, actually even by spring that there was a good chance that Putin was going to invade Ukraine, we should have been loading up the weapons into that country so that he would be scared to do it. But it was Biden who was frightened, who's, kept, who's constantly kind of taking one step back because we're afraid of angering Vladimir Putin. Yeah. That is really the truth. And the question is why? Is, is he really going to launch a nuclear weapon against the West, in which case Russia would be annihilated? Mm-hmm. And I really I cannot see uh, that we are going to constantly let this bully, a, a, admittedly a nuclear armed bully, basically dictate to the West what is going to happen in our futures. I mean, I think it's unconscionable. And unfortunately, we do not have a strong leader at the helm. And boy, do we need one right now. I mean, I think that's the key point on that. You know, when the troop, when the 150,000 troops or whatever were amassing on the border of eastern Ukraine, the Biden diplomacy was to say, if you know, if you go one step further, we're going to do this and this and this and we're going to impose terrible sanctions. What we should have been doing is, A, we should have put the sanctions on sooner. But B, we should have been reloading them militarily while those troops were there. We lost months of potential progress and rearming of Ukraine. Turns out we are um, teaching their troops. I mean, we are training their troops, which is a good thing. And I think we're lending some intelligence. I don't know if the tide is turning, but I just really couldn't resist the little tin box here. I mean, it just brought tears to my eyes. I saw it on the cell phone about an hour ago, and I started going crazy because... Well, because you two have been suffering through this with me uh, also. Um, Can I ask another some tricky stuff? Um, Steve Forbes, I'll start with you. In the Pennsylvania Senate primary race between Dr. Oz and David McCormick, a very interesting thing. You surely saw it this morning. Uh, President Trump is out there rallying for Oz. But at the same time, Mike Pompeo, this is the interesting part, publicly rallying for McCormick and taking some major league shots at Oz, like, um, you know, McCormick served in the U.S. military and Oz served in the military, but it was the Turkish military. All right. Now, I've not seen this kind of confrontation between President Trump and any any of his former people, uh, for that matter. Uh, what do you make of this? I mean, this is Pompeo making a move very visibly uh, coming out against the president's guy. And um, this is a bitter primary. It'll be in uh, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a very close race. And I've met both of them. And, and frankly, I'm kind of neutral on that race, Larry. I mean, I like both of them, actually. I think they're both they both have uh, 
real skills and talents. And the most important thing, obviously, is Republicans have to pick up that uh, governorship in in, um, in, I mean, it's the Senate race because they also have a governorship as well. Uh, I just make one comment about what's going on politically in this race and so many others around the country. Um, Trump is on a roll right now. I mean, the, the win in Ohio by, mm-hmm. J, uh, by J.D. Vance, and I, I'm not a big J.D. Vance fan. I was kind of neutral in that race as well. But um, he, is, he, is, he is moving the needle <laughs> big time in these races. I'm in Nebraska right now uh, campaigning with a guy named Charles Herbster, mm-hmm. and he is going to win that race in Nebraska because Trump came in last week and did a big rally for him. So Trump is a major, major force in these Republican races around the country. By the way, on that point, uh, before I get to Liz, I I just love that Karl Rove writes a column in the journal, I guess on Thursday, saying Trump didn't really win big in Ohio. That was the stupidest column I ever saw. (laughs) I mean, that was ridiculous. Really? That was a total toss-up race (laughs) until Trump came in. And then, and then, and he said, "Oh, he only won. He only moved the needle by six, or six points." Well, that was the six points that made the difference between winning and losing. And he had some other way. By the way, Trump—I uh, didn't know this. Trump endorsed Mike Pence's brother in Ohio for Congress, and he won. And then, of course, I didn't know that. Yep, yep. And then also another one, Maxie Meyer, who we all love. Max Meyer's on president's staff. Uh, he was in the outer Oval Office staff and other places. Maxie won his race. Uh, his primary for Congress. But let's Pete, come to you back. It just, I guess, it, he, as plain as I can, is uh, Mike Pompeo running for president? And is uh, Mike Pompeo basically saying he's going to run against Trump? Yeah, I, I thought this was a really interesting development. Mike Pompeo most certainly is running for president. He's mm-hmm. been making a lot of public appearances. He's on Twitter constantly. And, and I think he's a very formidable uh, person. I wish he had run for a state office instead of putting his sights on the Oval Office, because I don't think he's a good presidential candidate. He's got absolutely no warm and fuzzy aspect. He's a brilliant guy, without a doubt, I think. Um, I thought his attack on Oz was very peculiar, because uh, I really don't imagine that Dr. Oz is a Turkish asset, which was kind of the implication, <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, really, that's kind right. of what he said, was, right. you know, he's, he's sort of subverting uh, American political position here for what? For the purpose of, of uh, enabling Turkish drive to Muslim state? Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea really what he's kind of um, assuming, but it was a hit. And, uh, it, you know, whether the voters are going to take much notice of that, I don't think so. But uh, I, I agree with Steve. I think both of the candidates in that race are really credible. And it's too bad, frankly, that they're both running for the same office because we, we need good candidates. And, uh, you know, it's too bad we can't spread them around better, you know. Well, I'm from McCormick, but I don't know anything about the Turkish army. I mean, I'm just I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to Google up Turkish army. I'm still into the Italian army. I mean, geez, somebody's going to come out and boost or maybe it was the Italian Navy. Whatever. <laughs> I, you know, Larry, I think most voters are where you are. They're, they're, you know, if, if Oz had ties to Russia or China, Ooh. okay, that would be a serious charge. There is no such charge. He has ties to Turkey. Yeah, well, he comes from there. I mean, you know, and he has a Turkish passport, by the way. That, too, I think, was very offensive to Mike Pompeo. I, I thought this was actually beneath Mike Pompeo, and mm. I, I'm a little Me surprised too. he went there. 
Yeah, well. Me too. People don't realize that his last name, because everybody calls him Dr. Oz, but it's Oz, uh, is it Mohammed or something? What's his last name? Uh, Mohammed, I think it is. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind like of that. a slur. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, uh, look, I happen to be from McCormick, but. Yeah. Um, again, I think I, he's a good candidate. I think Oz is too. I've yeah, met him. I think he's a very, very smart. I think that the reason that there are some prominent Republicans backing him is number one, he's got good backing. Number two, he uh, has tremendous following in the black community. There's a feeling that uh, in that race where you know Philadelphia voters are obviously going to loom large and other urban centers, that he can do much better with those voters than McCormick. And mm. I think that's maybe true. I'm going to Google well, up. Another big race, by the way, Larry, um, you know, because Trump has endorsed many uh, gubernatorial candidates. And, and this is primary season. We've got a bunch of races on Tuesday and in the weeks and months ahead. But the one I don't understand and I just disagree with Trump on is in Georgia, yep. where you've got mm-hmm. Kemp has been Kemp has been a very good governor. Mm-hmm. He's been a good governor. You know, he's done a lot of we've rated him very highly. And uh and by the way, I, uh, Purdue was a fantastic senator. You and I worked with him. Mm-hmm. He, he was a great senator, and and he got caught up in the in the whole Georgia situation. And it was a real shame that he lost. But uh, Kemp is going to win that race. I'm here to tell you, Kemp is going to win it. Mm-hmm. And and Trump said something the other day that really bothered me. He said something like, "Well, you know, maybe if if because he hates Kemp because of the, of the election issue, and that he wouldn't back him on some of these." Uh, you know, uh, challenging the election, but he was saying, well, maybe people shouldn't vote for Kemp if he's the nominee. And I'm like, really? Do we really want Stacey Abrams to be the next governor of Georgia? That was a mistake of two years ago when President Trump. This is kind of a metaphor for where Trump is and where he's going wrong, in my view right now, is that he cannot move on beyond that 2020 election. And he absolutely has to. And if he torches the governor race in Georgia, he's done. I mean, I think just yeah, too many I, I people agree. are going to say, you know what, I'm over him. And I, I, I love the agenda. The man has really, uh, unfortunately, ruined his own reputation. And I think if he does that, he will. Well, I got to take a quick break. Uh, while we're in the break, I'm going to Google up Italian Navy. That's the key. <laughs> Or Turkish Army. I, one. I'm afraid to go to the Turkish <laughs> Army for what I'm going to find. Anyway, Liz Peek, Steve Moore, I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. I am here with Liz Peek, Fox Business, uh, Fox contributor and um, syndicated columnist. Her stuff, I love it. I sort of asked her on the show. Liz, where's your stuff play? She goes all over. It plays all over. But I'm fine with that. I like that a lot. And we have Steve Moore, Freedom Works, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. His latest book is Godzilla. Um, kids, the last thing I want to raise is will the abortion issue, Roe v. Wade, rescue the Democrats in November? Which is going to be more important, Roe v. Wade or inflation, recession, stagflation, and so forth? I'll start with you, Steve Moore. Well, look, I mean, obviously it is the economy, but this is an issue that um, I'm very pro-life, as I think I know mm-hmm. you are, Larry. Yep. Uh, but I think Republicans need to under, need to figure out how to talk about this issue. Uh, I like what you've been saying a lot, Larry, on your show. You know, this is about the children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about babies. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Uh, I think Republicans have been kind of off message 
they keep saying that this isn't going to make abortion illegal, but actually in many states it will make abortion illegal. Um, and so that's not a very compelling argument, I think. I think we have to talk about babies and we have to talk about um, you know alternatives to abortion. And uh, I, look, I, I really defer to to Liz because she's a woman, but I, I'm nervous about it because it, you know the Democrats need a change of topic. And this is what they've been waiting for. What do you think, Liz? Well, I think that's exactly right. Democrats have absolutely nothing else they can talk about uh, with any kind of favorable margin or approval. So this is something that energizes their base, to be sure. Uh, I'm not I'd say I have a couple of thoughts here. One is because it was leaked. uh, It's a long time till November. Mm -hmm. In a funny way, if it had come out at the end of June, I almost think that would have been. A worse problem for Republicans strictly talking politics now because Americans' attention span is fairly short and everyone would have had all that excitement and anger boiling over still in November. I think by November, this is not going to be as top of mind, uh, although there will be candidates raising money on it on both sides. So I'm not quite sure where that shakes out. Uh, I think, Larry, the way things are going now, uh, is so catastrophic, and I, and I actually really mean that in terms of markets plunging, bond markets right. under pressure, uh, yeah. real wages plummeting at the worst rate right. in, I don't know, 40 years or something, inflation a real problem. And by the way, I'm looking at a lot of inflation data this morning. There's a lot of reasons to be very pessimistic that uh, price increases are going to moderate anytime soon. I do think that is more compelling come November than Roe v. Wade. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. That's been, I've asked a lot of people about this, and I've looked at a lot of columns about this, and I haven't really seen a case where Roe v. Wade is going to um, bail out the Democrats. And, I, you know, I think the other point, though, I would say to both of you is, look, I, have, I respect um, the choice people. I, I respect that uh, women's rights and so forth. I always say, what about – the rights of the unborn. That's my principal issue. And I do want to save the babies. But Liz, I think we were talking about this on the show. I mean, abortion after the first trimester is increasingly unpopular. Yeah. And the Democrats still seem to have this position that was taken by Hillary in the famous exchange with Trump in the debate in 2016 that you should, you know, you go right up to the bitter end, the last day, and you can have late term or partial birth abortion. I mean, I know some states are going to say yes. Some states are going to say no. I personally like the idea that the states and the voters will decide not to judge it. But, Liz, I I just think that, you know, with sonograms and so forth, I, I don't think many people really want to abort after the first trimester. I, I think that's totally right. And most states, basically, the laws. And well, polling shows that that's exactly right, <clears throat> that voters are OK with abortion, with restrictions. And the restrictions generally are speaking uh, have to do with viability outside the womb. And that, although it's changing, uh, certainly it, it is usually first trimester. And by the way, that is what almost all developed countries allow. They don't. As someone has been very brilliantly putting up a thing saying nine-month abortion, which is what you can do, by the way, in New York, mm. yes, with some restrictions, but there are ways of getting around those. If you have the right doctor, et cetera, you can have a full-term abortion in New York, which is allowed in, guess where, North Korea and China. Yep. So that we are not 
I mean, do we really want to align with those countries which have absolutely no regard for human rights Mm -hmm. of any kind, including the unborn? I don't think so. I think most Americans are repulsed by the idea of someone aborting a third trimester baby. And and for good reason. It's a heinous uh, concept. And I so I, I mean. I, what I think will happen is we will have this tremendous battle and states are going to go to the mat on, on this and there are going to be restrictions imposed, some lesser, some more. My guess is it, there will be legal abortions in most states in that first trimester uh, uh, eventually. And hopefully, hopefully no states will allow full term abortions or third trimester. It's a horrible concept. Uh, Steve Moore, uh in your political travels, are you yet – I know this story just broke a week – or actually on last Monday. Um, are you encountering in Republican primaries, for example, uh, any arguments here on Roe v. Wade? No, not really. Right. I mean, people, Liz is right. I mean we have a catastrophic economy right now, and people are very afraid, Larry. People are afraid of what's happening in their 401k plans, and they're worried about their jobs. And so that that is what people are talking about. I've been on the road a lot lately. Um, I'll just, just say one more thing about this abortion issue. This is a pro-life country. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, the support for pro-life has increased over the last 10 or 20 years. Um, and I think that's because of ultrasound and other things were in viability as well. You know, when, when Roe versus – when was that uh, ruled on? In the early 70s? 73. Uh, 73. Yeah. So, you know, the world's changed a lot in 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, viability has, you know, uh, has uh, start, started much earlier um, periods of pregnancy. So um, I'll just leave it at that. You know, I, 63 I, let's, million. Let's, let's side with life. 63 yeah. million. And we did some work earlier in the show. We did some research on this Um it is African-American babies that got hit the hardest by far, African-American babies. And that is a tragedy as well. I'm going to leave it there. Liz Peek and Steve Moore, thank you. 